I'm Doug Doving. Welcome to Subject ACT on Tuesday the 19th of April. Today on Subject ACT, we talk with Community and Public Sector Union Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent-Peach. Beth talks about the recent Aboriginal Hostels Limited pay deal, an offer that keeps Aboriginal staff amongst the lowest paid public servants. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. Aboriginals at Aboriginal Hostels Limited are amongst the lowest paid public servants and, in a recent pay offer by Aboriginal Hostels Limited, they were offered a 1% pay increase while other public servants were offered a 2% pay rise. We welcome back Community and Public Sector Union Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent-Peach to talk more about this. Beth, welcome to Subject ACT. Thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us more about the Aboriginal Hostels Limited situation? It's a really an appalling situation. In actual fact, their pay rise averages out to 1% per annum, but what they're really being offered is 2% on commencement and then half a percent the next year and then half a percent the year after. So it's, over the three years, it would be 3%. As you've rightly pointed out, other Commonwealth public sector agencies, there's a pay cap in place that they're being offered an average of 2%. So that would be 6% over the three years. Most of those are front-loading their pay offers. So instead of delivering the 2% on commencement, most of those are offering 3 or 4% on commencement. This is half of what everyone else is being currently offered. But what's really frightening in this space is the fact that they were already the lowest paid APS agency. Um, they were already at the bottom. And as you've already pointed out, they are the highest proportion of Indigenous employees in the federal public sector who are already on the worst paid and under this offer would definitely stay the worst paid public sector agency. Aboriginal Hostels Limited, what is their primary role and function? They have a really fascinating role, actually. There are 47 hostels which are managed by Aboriginal Hostels Limited. They are scattered all over the country, both in cities and in rural, regional Australia. They provide quite a varied service. So some of the hostels exist so that kids in remote areas can go to a big city to go to high school and then they live during the school term in the hostel. Some of the hostels exist for pre and postnatal care for mums in regional and remote areas. Some of the hostels provide temporary accommodation to job seekers, so Indigenous Australians who are coming into the big city looking for a job, they've got somewhere immediate to stay. And some of them provide more of a nursing capacity. So there's one that focuses particularly on renal care patients and while they're getting dialysis they come and stay at the hostel traveling from rural or remote areas so the hostels all have a very different role and flavor but they all are really critical to providing the sort of access to health care education employment that most Australians take for granted but for Aboriginal Australians these are really important places. What effect would this have on those services if staff weren't able to get a a more improved pay rise? You know, my heart goes out to Aboriginal Hostels Limited, who I think are doing the very best with very limited resources. They are dedicated to trying to keep as many hostels open as they possibly can. But unless you pay a decent wage and decent conditions, you are at risk of losing good staff. You're at risk of retaining good people and at risk of not being able to actually keep the hostels themselves open because they're no longer viable. You know, it does cost the money to provide beds hot meals, good service. Um, It's not cheap to provide 47 hostels all over Australia. 
And a good part of being able to be viable is being able to keep good people in those roles as well. Having a reasonable pay rise is important to keep good quality of staff in these roles. That's right. It is really important. And it not only is it important to keep um, the hostels open, but as the largest employer in the Commonwealth of Indigenous Australians, we need to be able to ensure that we continue to attract, retain and provide those good employment options. In Sometimes these are in, in places where there isn't a lot of employment options. Some people say that public servants are already paid well compared to non-government workers. Is it fair to say they're just trying to, to get extra money out of it? Oh, no. I would argue that all public servants do a really critical job all over Australia, and we are not talking about highly paid staff, particularly not at Aboriginal hostels. We really are talking about people on very low incomes below the Australian average for income. So it would be a very unfair criticism, I think, to say that these staff were just in any way greedy because really we, we are talking about the lowest pay. Now, you refer to other Commonwealth public servants receiving a 2% pay rise. Which public servants are you referring to? Well, actually what we're referring to there is the fact that all of the agencies are bound by a government bargaining policy and the government bargaining policy that is under this current government is incredibly prescriptive, very harsh, really, really tough to negotiate with. And one of the key elements of the government's bargaining policy is a pay cap. So it has said that no agency can get more than 6% over the lifetime of the agreement. So agencies are offering deals on the table. Uh, At the moment, have all got a maximum of 6% per annum. So there are a number of agencies that have accepted deals under those parameters. But for a vast majority, 80% of the public service is working in an agency where they haven't accepted one of the offers made under the government's bargaining policy. And that includes Aboriginal hostels. They're going to a vote now, but they haven't. That vote doesn't close until the 13th of May. In an interview to the ABC on the 12th of April, you said that the root cause of this horrific bargaining situation is the government's public sector bargaining policy. What are some of the problems you see with that policy? The policy is really tough. It Not only does it impose a pay cap, but it says that anything that's offered in the agreement has to be offset by stripping out a condition that equates to the same amount of money. So basically it said that if you want to offer 6% to your workers, you have to axe allowances, you have to slow down career progression, you have to slow down access to things like higher duties if you're acting as manager while the manager's away, etc., etc. So anything that they offer in terms of money has come out of the employee's conditions. So it's a very tough bargaining policy. It also mandates that key essential rights at work have to be stripped out of agreements. So it says you have to lose your say over what hours you work, where you work, when you work. You have to lose access to part-time work and you have to lose access to having a say over your flexible working arrangements. You lose access to your union to represent you. Some of those key rights, they all, in order to be approved by the government before you can have a new agreement, they all have to lose those essential rights. The union, what's their role in all of this? Well, we've been at the negotiating table, but the frustration for the CPSU at all of these bargaining tables is that the agencies, their hands are tied. There's only so much they can negotiate with because the bargaining policy won't allow anything else. So it's been a very frustrating, long negotiation for all parties involved. And the CPSU, what we're doing is saying, well, the bargaining policy 
it needs to be changed. It's not workable. Agencies can't negotiate something that staff have been prepared to accept. And it's not because they'd lack the goodwill, it's because they don't have the capacity. So really it's the government's bargaining policy that needs to change so that genuine negotiation can actually take place. How long have you been bargaining with this pay offer? Oh, we're heading into our third year of bargaining across the Commonwealth. Some agencies were slower to start than others, but holistically we're heading into the third year and agreements that people are working under at the moment have been expired for two. So it is long and protracted, but as I said, 80% of the service are working in a a department where they haven't accepted an agreement that's been made. And for most people that I speak to, they say, look, why would I sign up to something that sends me backwards? I'm better off staying on what I've got. And so people are prepared to vote no until something fair is put on the table. And how many staff are affected by this pay offer? At Aboriginal Hostels? Yes. Uh, So we've got about 487 staff at Aboriginal Hostels and they do a range of jobs. So there's a fair amount of administration workers, but there's also cooks and cleaners and, for want of a better term, janitors and night managers. So you're talking about a range of occupations in the 487 positions. Now, the Aboriginal Hostels Limited say it is unreasonable to compare this wage proposal with the closing of the GAP campaign. You say that this lowball offer makes a mockery of the government's closing the GAP rhetoric. Can you please explain? Well, I think it's twofold. I think that this low pay offer is really damaging for the organisation in terms of keeping and retaining good people. And we are talking here about the most Indigenous employees in any federal public sector agency So, you know, in terms of getting real about closing the gap and fair pay and wages, this is your place to evidence that if you were a government, this is the place to offer reasonable pay and offering half of what everybody else is being offered is clearly problematic to the 70% of these staff who are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. Secondly, you know, what if this leads to the closure of more hostels, then we're also furthering the gap because these hostels play such a critical role in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people being able to access, as I said before, the things we all take for granted, high school education, adequate health employment opportunities. If we're real about those things, we need more hostels, not less. And already they've had closed hostels due to funding problems. The Aboriginal Hostel Limited said on the 14th of April to the Canberra Times that they are committed to ensuring that any offer does not impact on the delivery of frontline services. Do you believe that if the Aboriginal Hostels Limited decide to increase the pay offer, will it really affect frontline services? Is that a reality? I believe that they are being truthful when they say they don't want to close the hostels and that this is probably the most they can offer. But I fundamentally believe that that's a disgraceful situation need to be rectified by the government. If they don't have the money to offer at least what everyone else is being offered, then the government needs to up their funding. We cannot have a situation where where we're an agent is so cash-strapped that it's saying if we're going to continue to do the role we're going to do, then we don't have the money to pay our staff adequately. That That's an appalling situation. And that can be fixed. We're not talking about a huge amount of money. On the statistics, it's less than a million dollars. It's just over $800,000 in order for these staff 
enough to get the same pay rise everyone else is being offered right now. Now, I'd argue that's not even enough money of itself, but just to take it up to what everyone else is being offered, we're talking about less than a million dollars. And in government budget terms, that's not a lot of money. It's not a lot of money at all. So where are we at with the pay offer at the moment? It's going to a ballot. Because of the work they do, they don't predominantly, as employees, work on email. So it's a postal ballot. And because many of these hostels are in remote or regional Australia, it's open for a very long time. So most of the other Commonwealth agencies have got an electronic ballot of a day or two days. But Aboriginal hostels, their ballot uh, papers have already gone out and they can come back any time up until the 13th of May, at which time the ballot will close and they will count them. I'm very hopeful. We've said to staff vote no because I believe the government can improve this situation both in terms of revising its bargaining policy, but also in in terms of giving Aboriginal hostels extra funding. And I've said to staff, I believe that they deserve more and they should reject this offer and we should campaign to get Aboriginal hostels better funding. So what would you see are some of the issues or obstacles to, to the resolution? I think fundamentally this is an agency that's been underfunded for far too long. They've been at the bottom of the APS pay scale for years and years and it's time to turn it around. Under a previous ALP government, we did get recognition that the situation was unacceptable and they, last bargaining round, gave Aboriginal hostels extra funding and staff received extra in terms of pay. But when you start so far behind the eight ball, it takes a long time and this government hasn't maintained that. It's let them slip behind again And now, once again, they're at the bottom of the pile being offered half what everybody else is being offered. As you said before, many of the staff of the Aboriginal Housing Limited may not have access to internet services. What are some of the best ways that they can stay in touch with what's going on? That is a challenge for us, I've got to say. We try and get around to as many of the hostels as we can. We get on the phone and a lot of the work that we do talking to people about how they'll be impacted by this pay offer and by the cuts to conditions that they're facing. We do over hookups, we do a lot of telephone work and we also rely on word of mouth because they are a close-knit community within Aboriginal hostels. Our members talk to one another. That's how we stay connected with the workers. In terms of raising the profile, we have a, a petition running, an online petition saying fix this fast, a petition to Malcolm Turnbull to give Aboriginal hostels adequate funding so that they can offer a decent pay rise. As I said before, it's not to the department, not to the agency, because we believe that it's doing the best that it can. It's to Malcolm Turnbull. And that petition is on the CPSU website? Yes, it is, www.cpsu. Do you have anything else that you'd like to say, Beth? Everybody can play an important part in making a difference. You don't have to be a person of um, significance or influence in order to really pack a punch in our community. And I would invite everyone to get this petition out via their Facebook pages and via their social network because, you know, people standing together, that does make a difference. Beth, thank you for joining us on Subject ACT. Uh, it's been a Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. That was CPSU Deputy Secretary Beth Vincent Peach talking about Aboriginal Hostels Limited Pay Deal, an offer that keeps Aboriginal staff amongst the lowest paid public servants. For more information, go to www.cpsu.org.au. Stay tuned for more on 2XXFM 98.3 People Powered Radio. Thank you for listening. I'm Doug Durbing on Subject ACT. Have a great day.